Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Welcome to episode number six of the Phase World Podcast. I'm super excited about the guests I have for you today. Her name is Ina for two reasons. Okay, so she is the first female interviewee I have on the show. And second reason is Ina is a restaurant owner, but not just any restaurant. She owns my personal favorite restaurant called Ina's Kitchen, a Jewish deli with cuisine that I can eat all day long. This special episode was recorded inside that very kitchen. I grew up in a foodie's family. Both of my parents cooked a ton, and they're both experts in their own cuisine. Dad was Cantonese from southern part of China, and my mom grew up in Beijing, so she's a Mandarin cook. As a family, food was a common topic every day, and my parents quote-unquote competed with one another on cooking. As an only child, and to make sure I didn't break their hearts, they often tied for first place. Ina could really relate to my story, she said. Growing up, she recalls seeing dozens of friends coming over to her parents' house for spontaneous feasts. Both of her parents cooked a lot, and especially her grandma. Ina grew up in Russia. She and her family traveled to various parts of the world, including Israel, before settling in the United States in mid-80s. She has worked at restaurant businesses, underserved neighborhoods, and a ton of experience in cooking since she was a little girl. In this episode, Ina talks about starting her dream business about three years ago in May 2011, a kitchen with her name on it that specializes in homemade Jewish cuisine, everything made from scratch, no cheating anywhere. So to name a few of my favorite dishes, if you ever get a chance to visit, make sure you try shakshuka, potato lakas with fried egg on top, sabi, which is marinated eggplants with veggies, spices, and a boiled egg. If you're a fan of falafel, you're in luck, and make sure to try Ina's falafel plate, beef copsta plate, and of course, last but not least, their most popular chicken matzo ball soup, and all the other things on the menu. Delicious. We don't just talk about the food part, by the way. Ina really opens her heart up about the making of a restaurant. If you ever thought about opening one up yourself one day, restaurant or coffee shop, Tune in on the success tips and tricks, including one important but also very difficult decisions you might have to make. Also, Ina pulled out her cookbook from the 1950s. What's not to love about Ina's Kitchen? Next time you're in town, make sure you stop by Ina's Kitchen, located in the heart of Newton Center, Massachusetts. I'm drooling just by thinking about the restaurant right now, so I hope all of you enjoy this casual conversation between Ina and me. I love the cooking and I have like no limitation here. First of all, I can cook anything I want. That place which we did the business before was a lot of limitations we're not allowed to. Uh, and there was no personality. And I thought the Jewish cooking, when I showed that 
saw that show, but Chef uh, Burek, he went to the he went to the place, a huge place where they making corn, making pastrami, it's like that, making everything from scratch. Those vegetables. I said, this is what I am. I did that all my life at home. I saw that. That's how we grew up. Yeah. You know, like this is what I think going to be me. Yeah. This is this the kitchen is you as your name attached to it, <laughs> and I think really, even though I don't really know you all that well on a personal level, I, <laughs> I have a feeling that this everything about this kitchen, about this kitchen, your staff members included, are a very accurate reflection of who you are yourself. So I wonder, there are a few questions that have accumulated. One, which is, I love all the food. I mean, I could just come in one day with my eyes closed. But I wonder, given this you know, community, your regular customers, what are some of the most popular, like favorite dishes, if you could remember, where they're kind of, you know, equal? Chicken soup is number one. Uh-huh, chicken multiple soup. Chicken multiple soup, yeah. People really love the flavor they come in from. Some other neighborhoods as well. We only knew that falafel, what our data showed. data showed. Which is not always that accurate because once we have an iPad, now it's much easier uh -huh. to keep track of that. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you use Square. Yeah, through the Square. Yeah, that. that's because great. Because we have the names and everything mm -hmm. of that, and, that's, and that shows how much you sell. It's so convenient. So, falafel would be number one seller. After chicken soup, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the corned beef and pastrami. Oh yeah, yeah. So everything else is coming along. Like we've been with our menu, like I said from the beginning, I try this, this, and that, mm -hmm. and see what you know. Like I want to put as much, so much in this case, mm -hmm. <laughs> which we don't really have that much room. And then we figured what sells more. We don't want to create something which is going to go to waste. Did you predict that these three are going to be the top three in customers' favorites? I didn't even think of that. You didn't I thought I will show this, this, and that. Plus, falafel, it's not something I grew up with. Yeah. It's just to represent this part of the world, yeah. <laughs> which lots of Jewish people are in. Uh -huh. um, and my family is in, so it's like my mm -hmm. home anyway. And I love that. Mm -hmm. But when I was going to Israel, always you try so many things. They know, but my sister said, no, you eat falafel only out of this place. Uh -huh. This is the one which we like. And we been in different places, and sometimes you start for lunch. They're all so different. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Everybody, I work in downtown. Yes. Uh, falafel King, uh, yeah. Pita Time, these are some of my favorites when I'm at work. But taste very different. Uh, taste and even shape. Yeah. Some of them just this big, giant, balls, fluffy ones. Mm -hmm. uh, just, another one just more yellow, another one more green. Yeah. So I was playing with different different recipes at home even before opening mm -hmm. to recreate something which my sister would go and say this is the best mm -hmm. and something what I like. Mm -hmm. Took us another year to get actually the pita, which Whoa. we serve once we change the meat to kosher. Yeah. That's when we're able to get the pita because it comes from Israel. Yeah. And shipped from to New York. Mm -hmm. So that's how we get it. Yeah. Our meat supplier. It is amazing. Mr. Huang, the business partner I mentioned earlier, it desperately is seeking to, to get the pita bread and it makes me laugh every if sometimes time. Sometimes I run out, like around the holidays, now I know we put extra freezer just for that. Yeah. Because around sense. holidays, you know, like Jewish companies not working, 
and the shipment is always get off track. Yeah. So you have to have plenty of truck, mm -hmm. plenty of stuff. Now you and mentioned the uh, Jewish holidays, and we'll we'll definitely talk about uh, catering as well, which is a little bit different. I remember from just a couple of months ago, there are a few major Jewish holidays, and the scene Rosh within Hashanah. the kitchen. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah and um, the one after that, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, yeah. yeah. And I remember customers will line up here in this deli, and I remember them picking up to me maybe 80, 100 pounds of food, <laughs> and then kind of like shoving their Some. car. And how many, what was that time like? And you it's know, intense. Very intense. <laughs> it's very intense because you have to operate the deli at a normal schedule, which is, uh, I think, our customer already know. Customer business already people know around mm -hmm. the holidays don't come in for lunch because even we mm. try to create we people pre-order food and we asking them we we giving them a specific time for pick up yeah but here and there somebody gonna show up yeah. whether late because they pick up was at ten o'clock they come in at twelve oh. which is create yeah a big problem yeah. you know like you don't well, you know like everything. Things happens. It's just uh, like traffic jam, right? You, you can never predict. Traffic jam. Sometimes people just show up, but it's in their time, pick up time, and they right in lunch time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's very intense to prepare for that. Uh, mm -hmm. We get every year we get a little smarter, and uh, I'm learning to say no. Yeah. At some point. Yes. So we have the deadlines, which before you know, like you need a business. How can you say no to the customer who comes in and support you all the year round? And they late with the order, and you're gonna say no to them. Like it's like it's breaking my heart. I cannot do that. Uh -huh. But it was a point that I think two years ago, I was I had to work 20 hours a day wow. in order to fulfill my orders, which is after that was for Passover. Mm -hmm. Which I thought, okay, I have extra food which people pick up mm -hmm. for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But those people is today, and I can always cook for mm -hmm. tomorrow, not realizing what this day gonna be ending, and another starting soon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna have time to cook. Mm -hmm. But at that moment, I remember I saw once, and I sit down and I look how much production I have to do mm -hmm. for next day. Mm -hmm. I had to cry. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough having that. Like, this is, was a lesson for me mm -hmm. because it was literally 20 hours. I live nearby, yeah. so I went home. To sleep for a few hours, wow. which I don't know if I slept or not because yeah. I had to wake up yeah. for the day like at three o'clock in the morning to come in and fulfill these orders. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to say no. Yeah, now it's only do what's like at what's certain enough. time. Yeah, and then I know I will. I have another weekend. I see what people later with order, and I sit down and I see if I can produce that much. Then I take it more. So in comparison to Jewish holiday, which is very demanding, and a lot of people I know that typically Jewish families who invite many others, and that's why the food always comes in such a huge volumes. It's not just for their own family. In comparison, is catering business a little bit easier for you? I know you, you guys have a very thought out catering business. Is it as tough, or is it actually a lot easier? It's easier. It wouldn't be easier. We just didn't grow that business yet since uh, three and a half years. It's not such a big time for the business. <laughs> right. It takes at least five years, lots of people were saying, to start to actually get your name out of there. Yeah. Like with 
this is our goal right now to have more orders for that have a catering like the corporate events, lunches, yeah. which we're doing some, but we can produce way more. Yeah. Because you know our place is so small. Yeah. We can sit only like 12 people in here. Mm -hmm. um, so but that easily I can do with the stuff that we have right now. And if I have the order the day before, I can plan it out mm -hmm. enough and in the morning we can produce a lot of sandwich platters, Mediterranean platters, you know, falafel, mm -hmm. which is usually what offices are ordering. Mm -hmm. so, so we talk about awareness and marketing of the business. And I would, uh, you know, I argue that for the quality of the food, how friendly the staff members and how responsive everybody is, and it speaks for itself. This is a brand and a business that, that truly speaks for itself, for its super high quality service. Right now, you guys are searchable on Facebook. You had mentioned that you benefit, you're learning about Facebook community on your own. Um, what are some of the other channels would people also expect to be able to find you? Are you guys anywhere else on the internet? Usually um, what how people find us is through Yelp. Everybody yeah, searching the Yelp is the biggest, I think brings us more customers mm -hmm. because we have a very high reviews in there. Yeah. And uh, whenever anybody search for say I'm not in I'm not a technical person, I can know you know phone for me like I got my touch screen phone just I think last year. Yeah. Everybody had I, I you know like I still have dial phone. Yeah. So for me all this technology, this is all Alex's side, but I know people coming over when we ask see somebody we didn't see before, we keep asking, is it your first time here, you know, like to, to know how they find us. Yes. Mostly it's Yelp. Yeah, that's very smart, by the way, just speaking from my business background. Because we're a business where you don't have hundreds of thousands of people travel in, and in which case it's very hard to address each person, when a new customer walks in, I think it's very critical to ask that question, how did you find us? And I would argue that in addition to how, if the answer is online well we're online was it our official website we even asked we were usually asking is what did you google yeah what was your what search? Is a search term yeah yeah and uh. lots of people searching just for lunch if you just can google uh lunch in newton mm -hmm. even a pop-up yeah because of you know like when your rating is high yeah. and you put it puts you on top of yeah others that's so that's what we're very grateful for existing yeah that's that's great and this is all very insightful, especially for people. You know, there are many people out there thinking about opening restaurants, but it, just by watching or having friends who own the restaurant business, we all, I mean, personally, I know how much work there is. And I know, uh, especially for Chinese restaurant owners in Chinatown or outside of Chinatown, people do work, you know, 20 or so hours every day. Some of the restaurants open till 10, 11 p.m. It's, it's nightmare. Right. So what is your advice to people who are thinking about opening a restaurant of any kind? We don't really have time to kind of dive into <laughs> the First of all, you have to know what, you have to be the cook, I think. You have to know the food, mm -hmm. because what I see people fail, like uh, there was a place here, everybody referred to that place, and I actually look at as an example for that place, mm -hmm. um, maybe about 10 years ago, so maybe. Uh, on the uh, Landley Road, 
and that was completely kosher. Mm -hmm. I think Julius Cafe, I, wo I walked in there once, it was so beautiful, mm -hmm. completely supervised, all kosher in the center, right in the center of everything. Should be successful. Yeah. But when I was talking to other people and they realized, like, but they closed down in the first one and a half years, I think they didn't use wow. this company. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason is what some people telling me, like actually Rabbi who was trying to convince me to go completely kosher, and I always say, how come this business hasn't been, uh, you know, like people who is orthodox did not support that business. Yeah. So it was so needed. There is no many dozen here. And he said they, the owner wasn't a chef, mm -hmm. so she hired the professional, like uh, chefs. Uh, she hired everyone. Mm -hmm. You cannot just oversee the business unless you have millions of dollars to put in. Mm -hmm. I'm talking. I'm on a very low budget. <laughs> we not, you know, like <laughs> we did not inherit anything. Yeah, this is a earned money which we put in yeah. the business, and I risk everything. It's not like I have investor. Which is okay, hundred thousand dollars more, hundred thousand dollars less. Yeah. For me, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think you have to be able. First of all, you have to know all the jobs, mm -hmm. what involved in yeah. running the business. So you need to know everything. If you just wash your step, mm -hmm. all of a sudden just quit on you. Yeah. You have to know how to solve that problem immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, if something breaks, you have to be. I think you have to be hands on. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think that's that's a critical feedback, which yes. I didn't think of myself. I I assume one of the uh, the critical part is you have to be willing to work hard. And then to your point, just by working hard alone is not enough. I think the knowledge behind the interest in cooking, the fact that you've cooked uh, your whole life, you observed your parents, and I think you are very conditioned to working. Yeah, you, you, need to, you need to have uh, some people saying what I have is in taste buds, which I don't know, I think I have a normal one, which I <laughs> <laughs> you taste the things and you kind of you read the recipe and you figure it out if it's mm -hmm. going to go together or not, so this mm -hmm. way you can adjust something, you don't have all ingredients, maybe you can come up with something else, mm -hmm. um, but you definitely in business, running the business, I think first you have to create something and teach people how to recreate that. Yeah. Then you can take it easy a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, but for us, like I want to be our dishes to be unique. Like my stuffed cabbage is different from anybody else's. My favorite. Because yeah. it is, it's like my family was making, but a little bit adjusted to American taste. Yeah. Because my mom would never make it sweet. Uh huh. She doesn't put any raisin and. Uh, she make it with tomatoes, but doesn't sugar is not involved in there. Or mm -hmm. raisins, she would say, "Are you crazy mm -hmm. putting raisin with the meat?" Yeah, it's like Japanese people not say, the stuff, huh? cabbage. You know, yeah. how could you put sugar in green tea? If you go to Japan and then you ask for sugar for your green tea, they will they will not <laughs> they will not do it for you. But I I um I, I'm a fan of a uh, one other local restaurant. But one of the things I don't like as much is. I, I like your kitchen much better than all the other local restaurants. But say when you're closed, I you know I go to Johnny's Luncheonette, mm -hmm. and I've been there for years. And I do like certain things from there, and especially the sweet, the sweet potato potato fries. But unfortunately for me, the chicken mozzarella soup sometimes it's too salty. 
and I don't really taste the essence of the chicken anymore. And one of the other, my favorite dish um, over there, which I don't like as much anymore, is what you just mentioned, the stuffed cabbage. It's way too sweet for me that I feel like I could taste the ketchup, like raw ketchup, it's that sweet. Whereas I tried the stuffed cabbage for the first time a few weeks ago, and I was completely in love. Another, another reason is I was running out of things I haven't tried yet at your kitchen. I've tasted everything, and I yet to find anything that's even slightly disappointing. And you know, Johnny actually coming for lunch now here since he sold his place. John? Yeah, Johnny like John from Johnny Lunch. And oh no way! He sold and his he business. Oh, well, he sold his business last year, I think. So oh, it's wow. new owners now, I and see. he comes for lunch here. That's so, so fascinating! You know, like wow. my son didn't know he would, like he was ordering and. He <laughs> I think he ordered a cup of borscht last time and a half a sandwich for me for pastrami. And I said, Jenny, what are you doing? I said, he's writing. Uh -huh. He's been working almost 20 years in wow. that business, so mm -hmm. he told his life to it. But for me, it was kind of... Uh, Such a compliment. Yeah, a compliment. He's coming and eating my food. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, this is so fascinating. And, you know, best of luck to the restaurant of all. I, to respect your time, I have two more questions, if that's sure. okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, one thing that, that really made me curious is when I practice yoga, and I still do on a regular basis, and you know, we go to classes, when, you, when I go through my teacher certificate, I have to do all these twisting motions and do the most difficult moves from these amazing, extraordinary teachers. And then after class, I will ask them, male or female, what do you practice at home? And oftentimes the teacher said, oh, I don't do any of these advanced moves. You know, they would tell me they've been doing yoga all their lives, and they do the most simple. They practice the most simple moves, and they get the most. They get just as much out of them. So my question back to you is, what do you cook at home for yourself, for your family? And we'll talk about your kids in a second, because you did tell me they demand cheeseburgers. So let's talk about what you cook <laughs> for yourself before talking about your three children. <laughs> I don't cook for three children anymore. <laughs> just for one, now. The comfort which I, you know, like we open for lunch only, not for dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, and my comfort food and what my kids always love, it's a beef patty. It's, it's like a hamburger, but it's not a hamburger. It's ground meat with onion. I put a little celery in it, garlic, and you fry it like a hamburger. The oh. patty is like that, but not that flat, like, like uh, cakes. Mm -hmm. like with mashed potatoes, mm -hmm. yeah, like little cakes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with mashed potato with some salad, and our traditional salad. Yeah. Even we did not grow up kosher, and uh, I would eat dairy with meat at home. Mm -hmm. I don't offer that here unless people ask for that. Yeah. But uh, at home, I would like to have a salad with tomatoes and cucumber with sour cream. Yeah. All right. So that's the easiest thing, or just my family likes uh, chicken, just a drumstick. Drumstick. So sometimes at 4 o'clock, I'm closing. I drive by the whole food, I pick up some drumsticks or whatever. Usually I don't even plan what I'm going to cook. Okay. I stop by and I see, okay, what they have on sale today. <laughs> what kind of meat, what something, or something what I'm going to look up for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I've been always <laughs> run my family on the economic, you know, like, economically, kind of yep. watching yep. the budget. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. I can buy, like, I, I just don't like to plan that mm -hmm. way. I'm going, I see what they're on sale, I grab it, and I figure out on my way home what I'm going to make with that. <laughs> yeah, 
So what they like, like just roast some of those chicken with the sauces, uh, or that's the most popular thing. Just the cutlets when I have to go away, and I prepare my freezer for the family. So that's going to be chicken schnitzel, this beef patties, beef or turkey. We do a lot meatballs, what they love, and uh, fish salad, traditional yeah, the salad. The fish I don't like to prepare, and I like just to fry them. Uh -huh. We. My daughter eats only white flesh fish, so with a cod or flounder or mm -hmm. something like that. It's just very simple. Salt, pepper, yeah. flour it and fry it. Yeah. Interesting. Great answer. Fry potatoes. <laughs> fry potatoes I love since from Belarus we ate a lot of potatoes. Yeah. Fried yeah. potatoes. Mashed potato, fried potatoes, and potato latkes that of course they adore. If I know I don't have time I grab some from here. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And it's so lucky that cooking can be so fun, but sometimes can feel like such a chore for people who work full time. And you know what's healthy to cook. You know, at the end of the day, do I want to spend twenty dollars? And here at your kitchen, twenty, thirty dollars can go a long way for a party of two who tastes delicious. And honestly, it's hard for me to make an argument to say today I'm going to cook at home and clean twelve dishes. Um, <laughs> I make them clean sometimes. <laughs> That's what I don't like to do. Yeah, so. I like pro. I like to, to have a parties in the house, mm -hmm. but what I only don't like the part of after all, after clean the party, oh, to yeah. clean up everything. Yeah, I would have. I love cooking. Like everybody say, you've been cooking all day. You really want to go home and cook? That's Do a, you? That's you my relaxation. It. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can still cook. <laughs> yeah. This is good to know. So only if I like know what somebody else gonna clean up. Yeah, <laughs> I can spend my day off cooking. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So maybe I will ask you to, to cook for me sometimes. Or I just anytime. come here. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. anytime. You just come here and let's cook. Yeah. <laughs> or like if I would make those classes, I don't know if you heard the lady was asking how's your classes. Oh, chicken because masala I, soup class? Yeah, just the cooking classes. Okay. And I'm waiting for my kitchen. I want to do it at home. Because oh. it's more because the whole idea to show people how to do it at home? At home, yeah. Not in a professional kitchen. Yeah, it, and industrial then we can sit fans down, and Yeah, then we can sit down and eat together and have a glass of wine. I love it's that. More in a home environment. Mm -hmm. And my kitchen design pretty good for that. So I just waited for finishing uh, all this remodeling which we're doing in the house right now. Yeah, well, when is your uh, family dinner table event going to start? I. I want to make sure my name is first on the list. <laughs> <laughs> we do take names, but it should have been done a month ago. Yeah. I have a hard time with my contractors, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's coming along already. It's 95% finished. Yeah. So I'm afraid saying a day, but as soon as it's ready, I will try to do it at least once a month. Yeah, and I have, have a... Classes. Maybe even next month. Yeah, on that note, I have a suggestion which is there's a website I'm sure Alex has heard of. It's called eventbrite.com. Yeah, and I'll write it down for you before I head out. And it's a very simple way for you to organize any events. And Google, companies like Google, Microsoft use it for their uh, after hours, get together, seminars, workshops type of deal. And my Taekwondo school also uses it uh, for signing up for summer camps, day camps for students, and I think it's the same thing for you, especially when it's a recurring event. You don't have to redesign the event over and over again. And this way, once you set it up, uh, people can pay directly online. There are multiple payment options. 
And also, if the event is way out, like someone like me might want to sign up for your dinner get together for the next 12 months. And I will have reminders. I'll actually receive reminders, you know, a week, two weeks before, so to remind myself to go. And also, that really takes the most painful process, which is the payment process, reminder uh, process. That's what I figured like. when we were doing it here, that mm -hmm. I did. Last year, even Seb, I did a class here, mm -hmm. uh, which was pretty good, you know, like, but I. This is new for me to do the class. Like I think in one way, like I think it was great to show people how you can do a lot of things at once, yeah. <laughs> which I can do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of home cooks or just the people who wants to learn, this is too much for them. So I made pretty aggressive menu for that three hours, which would was together. When I met people, I realized they just need the simple classes, how to cut the vegetables and talk about that how to peel what's the best way to do it instead of they giving them like we're making two soups we're making like main dish meat we're making vegetarian we're making side dishes at the same time yeah it was a little bit too much mm -hmm. and too aggressive yeah <laughs> so but this is was a learning process yeah of course everybody had a good time yeah i did not have too many people i think it was only four signed up and then uh, alex and his wife stayed a little bit because he also doesn't have time to watch me how I do things. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, people are such different levels. But now I can see how it's needed. Like one of my customers says, she comes, she loves the classes to take classes. Yeah. And uh, also, not many people doing that. Yeah. Um, and they just one day dedicate just to make it fine. Like I was thinking, making chicken soup and all the process about it. Mm -hmm. So, but this is a learning process now for me how to. Sign up people, I want to have eight people instead of like four. Yeah. How to make sure people sign up and commit to that. Yeah. Prepay, I think, was a good way people commit oh, they would remember. Yeah. Because otherwise they cancel at the last minute. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and that would be too much work when by the time you prepare the ingredients, you set your Yeah, because aside. I already spent the, the money to set up for the class, especially if I'm going to do out of the kitchen. Yeah. Which I want to do anyway. But I think. With time it shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it will show what's more productive, what to do, what people want to do. Yeah. So I, this is very helpful and I'm so glad that we naturally talked about the workshop and knowing there will be more cooking workshops either at your kitchen or at your home coming up. Definitely want the listeners, if they're interested, live nearby or they can fly in from Seattle. I don't yes, care. Yeah, why uh, not? No, why not? <laughs> Just for the famousness. <laughs> Just for the famousness. <laughs> to experiment that and it's truly uh, very special I think it's a very special experience I like to close the the podcast on one simple question sometimes I do rapid-fire questions and um, but there's one I was thinking that you've experienced a lot in life and we talk about how you uh, got to the country and with your family the struggles you had to go through and we can set aside that as a separate podcast and there's a lot to talk about <laughs> and uh, but for now I think you know when you first um, first got here in the country or to simply put I guess what would you say to your 20 year old self what have you learned now that you wish you knew when you were 18 20 that's a very difficult question, so I actually never thought of that, <laughs> that way. Only <laughs> going forward. You surprised me <laughs> with this question. What Doesn't have to I, be, yeah. 
I didn't know if I would change anything. Change. Yeah, I didn't know if I would change anything to go back. Were you much like Does the it? way you are now when you were 20? Or? No, I'm more sure of myself. I was a scary cat. So I think I did not have, I have way more ambition now than before. Mm -hmm. um, I believe, you know, like what I can do, mm -hmm. most of what I, I was afraid I would never be able to do. Like whatever was in front of me, I was scared of that. Mm -hmm. But I know I can do that. Mm -hmm. Now when I set up, I think the mm -hmm. bigger goals for myself. Yeah. So, but. I think pretty much I know that I have to depend on myself. I have a good support around, but to just to be strong, it's my mother, she brought us up that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't think I would change much. I would have more people because I know now what I can do way more than before. Yeah, you learn along the way. Yes, I, I think whatever comes, whatever obstacles come in front of I know I can handle it. Yeah. Right now, like I say, whatever happens, it's for the reason. Yeah. So, and that's the way it should be happening. Before, I would have cried probably more about whatever comes my way, which I cannot handle. I think I cannot handle. But in the end, you handle it anyway. Yeah. Very good. So, I think just more reassurance. And that had to do like I had one of my supervisors who this job with Jewish family and children's circle. <laughs> Jewish community housing for the elderly. Yeah. <laughs> That's my job, which after my business, first business failed, mm -hmm. I kind of ended up way down mm -hmm. because I had nobody else. I worked for one person mm -hmm. for six years. I had no other references, mm -hmm. and that person was my uh, business partner. Yeah. So I had to start from the bottom again. Yeah. Uh, and I did. Um, and then I met this lady who was hiring for the assistant manager. Mm -hmm. So my other friend suggested me, and I remember I came to the interview for her, with her while I was working at was Nature Heartland with a whole right now in Washington Street. Mm -hmm. And we had the interview in Kevin. So, and uh, it was scary for me to start that job, kind of assistant manager. How what can I do? Would I be able to do that? Because of language barrier, still because it was my boss was uh, Russian speaking, so but and I started, and she after short time she observed what I could do. She gave me the kitchen to manage on my own, which I managed for the next twelve years. It was kind of nine months. She said I gave birth to you, <laughs> and she's the one who was only always telling me you can do that. Why you think you cannot do? You can do that. Because my self-esteem probably was growing up in Russia, mm -hmm. not like everybody else, always knowing that you are, some, you know, like you're not like everyone else in Russia. Mm -hmm. I can see the love. And, you you know, can I have myself. <laughs> yes, because uh, I'm Jewish and there are seven names for Jewish people in Russia. What kids would call me kids? Are, it's cool. That's what I felt. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's get myself. So this woman you were talking about, uh, is it possible to reference her name? We don't Absolutely. have to. Okay. I think we can. I, yeah. she's a, she moved out from here and actually she left the company as well. She's not working there anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think, I don't think she might. <laughs> yeah, and you know. She actually helped me even with this business when I was opening. 
she helped me. Oh, a lot great. In the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind writing down her name. Teresa Marula. Teresa Marula? Yeah, Teresa Marula. That's fantastic. Yeah. She was the director of the program, the food program, JCG. And then she left. And after that short time, I left because I. Let's it talk about time. that business real quick. And I know I promise you but I was going to close. The business which I was in Brookline. Right? Yeah, the Jewish yeah. Uh, community. Oh, no, that, that's the kitchen I operated. Okay, that's the kitchen. I see. That's it. It's a huge organization, a Jewish community housing for the elderly. Uh -huh. They have yeah. like six buildings, like buildings more. And while they manage the meals on wheels for the elderly, kosher meals on wheels for all greater Boston area. Whoa. And uh, one building has mandatory food program. That's where I was manager. I see. Uh, in Abondale also. You know, next to the building uh -huh, uh -huh. there is a Golden Air house. Yeah. That's a kitchen which she gave me to manage mm -hmm. after working for about nine months. Wow. Because I was assistant manager with her for Meals and Wheels. Mm -hmm. And it's the mixers you have to live. You know, wow. like it sounds, you're assistant manager, you are cooking, you're supervising. You're doing all of that too. Yeah. It's like uh -huh. running your own business. You have a budget. She is in charge, but I was involved in all of it. She would teach me everything. With all the heavy lifting involved. But you still have heavy lifting. And she was a big woman. Yeah. And she said, the first time I saw you lifting this pot of mashed potato, and yeah. that's a 25 pound mix, not 20, it's 50 pound mixer. Wow. With the potatoes in it. So what I would do, I took a scoop, I lift some of that. Sometimes I pull my back. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, you know, like uh, you do what you have to do. So I figure out, I scoop a little bit out, and then like lift in. So you have to do it the right way. You won't hurt yourself. But she said, I knew that you can do way better than that. <laughs> you can do different things. Yeah. So like a mandatory program, food program at Golden Air. This is more interesting than making meals on wheels. Uh, people come in to eat every day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. So you create a menu, you can play with it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, in production is not as big as a meals on wheels, so and it's kind of a small one. Yeah. And you know, like you can do the certain things. You can do a lot cannot do a lot of things, it's only meat kitchen. Yeah. You cannot do any dairy in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's more creative than making meals than doing meals on yeah. Which is at the last years when the economy went down and we didn't have a lot of people donation, donating money to the program. So we put these two programs together. Mm. Now they all existed as one. Wow. Out of the Golden Air kitchen. Nice, nice. Because it was more productive that way and the Meals on Meals subsidized actually program at Golden. So interesting. Very different. But I learned a lot of things. It was for me like running my own business because you have a budget and you have to keep it. Timeline, <laughs> budget, and dealing yes. with customers. Yeah, dealing yeah. with workers and the customers, the elderly communities. It's difficult community. Actually, Asian population is the best customer. Uh -huh. They never complain about anything. Yeah. Wow. Really, they just come in, get their meal, don't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, I think they enjoy they feel very privileged, and I know there is a, a subsidized housing project near Cleveland Circle. I don't know which building exactly. You know, there there's a very large Russian and um, Asian Chinese community living in there. I think you're probably talking about the same thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is on the Valencourt Road. Yeah, there I think so. There are three buildings. Yeah. And mostly, mostly, lots of Americans live in there. But those Russians moved in, Americans moved out a little <laughs> bit. So it's now it's 50-50 pretty much Russian and Asian population. Yeah, and then the Asian population in particular, I had the pleasure to meet a gentleman in his 80s, I believe, and appreciates the service so much. The meals, he absolutely enjoys, and I think some of what we talk about here kind of overlap with one another, and he's very appreciative of the support system. Yeah, we had a couple of Asian couple moving in, in uh, Goldemere, and he owns, uh, used to own a restaurant. And I was asking him, give me something, like, tell me what should I do a little bit, you know, like, just give me advice, some ideas, what should I cook? Everything fine. Yeah, everything is great. Everything fine. And they very willing to volunteer. Oh, wow. Like for Friday or Shabbat meal, we did like lots of rolls. Like it's 150 people coming at the same time. Mm -hmm. And like I needed to put the rolls in a plastic in a paper bag so we can uh, serving will be more productive. You know, everybody take their meal and move along to the dining room. So yeah. they would come in and sit down yeah. at the round table. Yeah. Together, you know, they bring their neighbors yeah. <laughs> and sit down doing the rolls, cranberry packing in the containers. Mm -hmm. They're very willing to volunteer all the time. That's great. I love talking about the community aspect of things and food plays such an important part for obvious reasons. But I think it's a business where you connect with the people on a very authentic level. Food is a very basic need. And you know, versus what I, the line of work I'm in, oftentimes you see people eat lunches at their desks, which I, you know, I didn't really grow up that way. It's a meal, it's a ritual in itself. You have to respect, enjoy, and really appreciate um, as you're eating the food. So I tend to walk, go somewhere, walk around a little bit. So I, I love this aspect of your life. Perhaps it's so natural, uh, or almost a given to you, but I think this story will really resonate with a lot of people who want to understand restaurant business, what if you want to open one, and really what it's like to, to live a life like this, to own a business. So, very encouraging. Just, I'm just starting, so three and a half years. <laughs> yeah, no regrets. I think it takes, yeah, there is no regrets. It's definitely great feeling, and like people say, come in, and I want people to come in and feel welcoming. You are, it's very casual, you know, like get your own coffee, the milk and cream is right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like first I was very uncomfortable saying that. Mm -hmm. Alex actually kind of mom, this is a self-service, you know, like just point out. And I feel like yeah. you know, like even in my home I serve people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And we do know our customers who comes every day. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you know, like we like to know them by name. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, like I know that somebody had operation and to ask, like they share these things. Yeah. I wish I have more time actually when I to sit down here and mm -hmm. the people see them every day. But oh, you're too busy. But on the yeah. yeah, and I've been telling Alex he's working right now and like changing the menu and trying to promote our catering. He's mm -hmm. barely here. Like, people don't see him that much. Mm -hmm. it used to be like he would sit in the kitchen in the morning and working on the computer and I say, I know it's not productive work, but people like to see you, I think. <laughs> and you can ask I like questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I hope he will finish his project and uh, <laughs> we'll see him more, not just for the lunch time. Yeah, absolutely. But we get to know people 
members like in this community. Like I know what Alexey enjoy about that. He's actually he has a political major <laughs> in college. He did not do that for <laughs> it wasn't the plan. Yeah. But he always liked to cook also a lot. Yeah. And, but he also likes to be part of the community and it makes it uh, it's like you belong. People coming to you, you doing something for others. Mm -hmm. And I know it makes him feel very good. great to be part of that. Yeah. He enjoys it because he's very smart and look at him like high tech he, he can do any kind of computer work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He can fix it, he can put it together, mm -hmm. he worked with MIT for a year in the media lab. Yeah. He been doing that kind of he really enjoyed that because this dealing with people yeah, yeah. This part. I can tell yeah. he enjoys his and job very much. part as a community also, you bring like, uh, he's married, <laughs> his, his wife is a cantor, belongs to the temple, and she was in Hebrew college here, so Hebrew college supporting us a lot, they come for lunch, they, whatever they order, they, when they can, they order from us, yeah. because we're not fortunate enough for some events. They need to support us, That's and great. the customers, our customers, so love to us. And, and like today was a sad day. We had to go to one of our customers passed away just all of a sudden. Oh. And from your work, they called me on Thursday from your office because I think they find and they know that they know what she loved you so much. She always bring food from your kitchen. We want to let you know what she passed away. Oh, just nice. Like, so, uh, do I know which customer this I is? Would, uh, she's a lawyer local. Uh, oh, I see. She was just for holidays. She was wow. here. She yeah. didn't wake up. Mm. So something. Very, very so sorry. Said, like hard. Alex went to the funeral and we sent your favorite treats what she liked the most importantly. That that must mean a lot to her. It's a very special. It's very sad. Very sad. And I absolutely think that this business will thrive in this community for a very long time. You're surrounded by a beautiful neighborhood, a lot of interesting people, um, in and out. And I think you'll hear even more stories. And who knows, a year or two years from now, maybe we can record another podcast to see, talk about new items on the menu and the new connection you've made and all the new things you've learned. So I think that will be... This is a continue to be continued. I hope so. Journey. I hope so. So that is the end of my conversation with Ina. I had a lot of fun. I welcome you to visit their website at inaskitchen.com. Ina is spelled as I-N-N-A, both N's as in Nancy. You could also find them on Facebook. They're located at 19 Pelham Street in Newton Center, Massachusetts. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at FaceWorld. Until next time, thanks for listening.